Hey, if you're an actor at the start of your career, or if you're an actor who hasn't started at all, no judgment. But I do want you to know that it has never been a better time to get started with Backstage. Just go to backstage.com slash subscribe and enter the code word envelope at checkout for a 30-day free trial. That's 30 whole days you can browse through thousands of casting notices from thousands of filmmakers, producers, casting directors, all looking for talent just like you. Make a profile, upload a headshot, find out what kind of projects you want to be a part of. Backstage is where you book that very first role. It's also where you book that second role, and then that third role, and then you keep booking roles all the way up until you win that Oscar. And then you can come join me here on In the Envelope. We love a full circle moment here at Backstage. But first, you gotta subscribe. And again, that's 30 days free if you use the code word envelope at checkout. E-N-V-E-L-O-P-E, envelope, 30 days free. Get those roles. And I'll see you back here when I interview you when you win an Oscar. And not wait. Welcome to In the Envelope, a podcast from Backstage, the one-stop shop for actors and creators both above and below the line. I am your host, Vinny Mancuso, Backstage Senior Editor and Professional Entertainment Obsessive. I'll be your guide through every corner of the creative industry with the help of some of your favorite stars. Here you'll find intimate, in-depth talks with today's most award-worthy names in film, television, and theater. Along the way, we'll get advice on living your best creative life, relatable stories of the highest highs and lowest lows, and maybe, just maybe, a rare peak in the envelope. If there's simulated sex, we, you know, are we doing pelvis to pelvis? Will there be a barrier there? How, you know, what exactly is being asked of that person so that they know exactly what positions their bodies are going to be or what options of positions their bodies are going to be in. If there's nudity, we're talking specifically about what is okay to show, what is not okay to show. Welcome to In the Envelope, the Actors Podcast. I am your host. Backstage senior editor, Vinny Mancuso. And as senior editor of Backstage, I do talk to a lot of actors. Um, I also know that most of the audience for this show, many of you listening right now, are actors. Young actors, new actors, aspiring, early career actors of any age. And when you do talk to that many actors, you start to notice the most common questions and concerns. And something that comes up, understandably, time and time again is... How exactly do you film intimate scenes? Now, that is still obviously a very complex question. Um, Comfort levels with everything will range wildly from person to person, actor to actor. And the industry is still finding new ways to regulate the way sets work, keeping everyone safe, while still making sure the story is being told in clear, creative ways. But there's been a massive shift on all of those fronts, thanks to the rise of intimacy coordinators. That position itself is still relatively new. Um, It's actually only been a few years since intimacy coordination was introduced to TV and theater and filmmaking at large. Uh, That means it's still kind of in flux about as to what it means, and it's also still a bit misunderstood by anyone who hasn't actually worked with an intimacy coordinator or people who have worked with an intimacy coordinator. They're still not sure what the role is, what it entails, and how it is helping actors. 
Uh, so to help understand, we have gathered a great panel here for you today. Joining us are intimacy coordinators and directors Lizzie Talbot, Alicia Rodas, Mia Schachter, and Nisha Ahuja. These are people who are on the forefront of this relatively new role, some of whom have helped literally put down in stone some of the concrete pillars of intimacy coordination. They're also all bringing insight from backgrounds in stunt and fight coordination, consent education, holistic medicine, energy work, you name it, they've done it. And if you have ever been interested or nervous about or just curious about the inner workings and the evolution of filming sex scenes in a safe way, there's so, so much for you here. Let's get right into it. This is the Intimacy Coordination episode. Hi, my name is Lizzie Talbot. I'm an intimacy coordinator and intimacy director. Uh, some of those shows that I've worked on are uh, Bridgerton, um, All of the Seasons, uh, Witcher, um, Dexter, and uh, This Is Going to Hurt. And that's just a few. My name is Alicia Rodas. I am the in-house intimacy coordinator at HBO Studios. I am also the creative director at Intimacy Directors and Coordinators. And uh, recently I've worked on the um, uh, reboot of Sex and the City called And Just Like That, um, Pretty Little Liars, and a number of other productions. <laughs> My name is Mia Schachter. I use they, them pronouns. Uh, this year I've worked on season two of Blind Spotting. I've worked on several productions at the Geffen Playhouse, where I'm the intimacy director in residence. And I worked on a show called The Consultant that hopefully will be coming out soon. I'm Nisha Huja, and I'm an intimacy coordinator. And I also am a holistic medicine practitioner uh, working in Ayurvedic medicine, culturally rooted somatics and energy work. Um, and some recent work that I've been on in terms of intimacy coordinating uh, was Never Have I Ever, both for season three and we just finished wrapping season four, which is the final season. Um, and a little bit on Mayans um, and a lot of other indie projects, which I love doing as well. All four of these intimacy coordinators come from different backgrounds, different experiences, but the through line of all their stories was seeing a noticeable need missing from almost every set and production they worked on. My background is uh, an actor and also a fight director and movement coach. And I started dabbling in some stunt work as well um, before I got into intimacy work. And I was doing some work for the NYU film department, um, assisting their, some of their students with, you know, light stunts, simple fight work, um, and doing uh, also fight work as uh, for the theater as well. And I found myself in all these situations where, you know, I would be brought in to choreograph a sexual assault scene, or I'd be brought in for something that has more, um, something that needed a bit more, of a softer touch or a consideration around safety, emotional or physical, when it came to uh, certain heightened scenes. And I was just sort of floored that there was no protocols in this. And I had one of my students at the NYU film department say, I'm shooting a sex scene, you know, how, what are some ways, you know, how can I approach this? And I said, well, let's look at, our, look at what the protocols are. Okay, looks like there are no protocols. Okay, let's look at approaching this like how we would, like how we did our last stunt. What's the story? How are we going to create that story? How are we going to make sure all of the actors that are doing the action are aware of that, are comfortable with that? And then we started, you know, laying down protocols. And 
Uh, around this time, I um, reached out to Tonya Cena, who had coined the phrase intimacy choreography in her 2005 um thesis that she did for um, Virginia Commonwealth University. And I said, you know, I'm helping, I'm helping actors out. I'm helping students out with um, work like this. And I, I think this is the work you're doing. Um, can we collaborate? And we ended up having a great collaboration and me, her and another movement coach um, in Canada named Siobhan Richardson created uh, Intimacy Directors International. And we started putting together protocols, working with psychologists, movement coaches, directors, union reps, um, and really just started setting down protocols and work. And pretty soon after that, I was hired by The Deuce on HBO. And I began working with them. And it was a pretty fast, <laughs> quick ride to then working on other HBO productions to being brought on uh, for the entire studio. I started this work back in 2015. Um, I came into it um, from fight direction, stunt coordination. And uh, one of the things that really struck me was when we were doing scenes of domestic violence, what would also happen a lot would be that the violence part of those scenes would go really well because people have had often experience or training working with um, simulated violence. There's uh, protocols and safety techniques that are involved. And so it's fairly standardized. Um, the issue would be when we would come to moments of intimacy where very little of that was standardized, like almost nothing. And so what was happening was that people were drawing from their own experiences, which is quite a dangerous thing to do um, in this work. So after looking at that, what we decided to do was like codify it and create those standards, create those safety techniques so that people would be as safe as possible and also could lean into the physical storytelling of this work rather than relying on personal experience. I would find myself on sets, even as a performer, being like, you know, because I also portrayed, I played, I did so many intimate scenes as an actor. Um, you know, I was nude on stage when I was 18. I had my first kiss on stage when I was 15. You know, I, I also lived a lot of these situations. And I remember, you know, doing background for, for a show where I had to take my top off and just being like, is anyone going to tell me when this is going to happen? <laughs> like, so the communication and really how to communicate around it was a big, a big tenant about it. For me, one of the things that I did was I did like a call out. I think it was on Facebook. And I just said, please send me your experience with intimate scenes. I want the good, the bad, the ugly. And um, just kind of did a, a random call out. And my inbox was just flooded. And I think all of them were negative. Every single person who'd wrote, written in had had a, a negative experience. Um, and so what I did was sort of look for themes and trends and... Um, and kind of pull apart and, and pick out what were some of the overriding themes and what we could do to sort of like create the same standards. Um, and again, a lot of this, a lot of the work that we do has been taken from the techniques that we use in in physical violence. So um, that's been really helpful because it's just been sort of almost like a transfer. And obviously, it's adapted and changed and evolved, but essentially, that that's where the basis came from. I kind of get the sense that it's one of those things where uh, once it started be being put into practice, it's almost like, I can't believe this wasn't a thing. You know, it just, it's just, it seems like there was a big hole at the center of, of filmmaking and TV making that needed to be filled, but it just, it wasn't there. 
Yeah, it's interesting because that's exactly the, the pathway that sort of stunt coordinators came from. Originally, people were just kind of like do their own thing in creating that world of violence. Um, but the, again, then it became standardized and codified because they were realizing that people were getting hurt. And it's sort of the same um, evolution that we've had in this. You know, there's this understanding that these scenes were not safe, that they weren't being handled in the best way possible. And so that's what we're seeing now is that standardization and keeping people safe. And also as an extension of that, just creating much better and much more believable stories around intimacy because obviously one feeds the other. In terms of what I bring from holistic and traditional medicine practices, it's a lot of working with the body and a lot of understanding how our nervous system responds to stress, to power imbalances, how our own histories can show up when we don't even know they're going to show up. I mean, these are the stories, you know, we all live in this very traumatizing world um, with our different systems of oppression that show up for us in all different ways. And so we don't necessarily know when that's going to show up on set when we're working. And um, so often actors are pushed into, it's like they're asked to, to be so human and vulnerable and yet not have their own humanity. And that's something that I, as an actor, when I was acting, I found very challenging for our whole beings not to be taken into consideration because that's actually what we're using as our instrument in our craft. I will say, you know, I think it's important to note that aspects of the role that we do now were done by lots of people who weren't paid to do it. So we've seen so many um, like costumers, standbys, hair and makeup who've had to step out and step up for actors many, many years before we were doing this. And they were never paid to do it. It was never part of their role to do it. They did it because they really cared. And I think hopefully it's a relief for them that that's not part of their job and they don't have to worry about their job being on the line because they don't have to do this for actors anymore. If you're an actor who has never worked with an intimacy coordinator or who hasn't performed an intimate scene at all, you might be unsure what exactly their relationship is to you as a performer. First and foremost, they're your advocate. Outside of the sort of creative hierarchy that's established on a set, um, I'm there to mitigate the effects of the power dynamics that just exist. So that's one thing right off the bat. You know, I obviously want to help the director get uh, achieve their vision, but I'm really present as an actor advocate first and foremost. And so um, I'm having ongoing and recurring conversations with actors, checking in, um, you know, how did that feel? Was it what you thought it was going to be like? Is it different? Um, is there anything that needs to be adjusted? I'm talking to the assistant director in depth as we're shooting and before we're shooting about, you know, where are the monitors, which ones need to be off, which ones need to be on, are the flags going up to hide those monitors? Who are the people that are essential to this shot? Who needs to be in the room? Who needs to be at the monitors? Um, and then often communicating that to the actors um, either ahead of time or, or you know, right before we shoot. I'm making sure that conversations are taking place that are necessary, like costumes, handles, modesty garments, but sometimes actors have never used one before, for example. And so I'm making sure, like, do you want support in putting it on? I can hang out outside your trailer. And if you need help, I have gloves. And I'm making sure that 
that those conversations are happening, um, that, you know, across departments like makeup, sometimes even props, if we're using things like sex toys, you know, even set deck, if we've got some kind of like sex scene going on or kink scene that requires certain set stuff. So really coordinating across all the departments, making sure that everyone is on the same page and has the same information. And you said it exactly. Part of the job is to eliminate surprises. You know, surprises and shock can destroy trust. It can also lead to, you know, not feeling so safe or having your expectations thwarted can be really unsettling, can feel unsafe. And then, yeah, as as we're going often, like, you know, flying in, reporting back to the actor, like whether it's that something didn't look quite real or we caught a modesty garment or, you know, this movement wasn't quite right, really staying, staying in contact with them, staying in contact with the director and the script supervisor um, to make sure that we're staying within what was agreed upon ahead of time. For my money, it's it's not the, I don't think it's the purview of the intimacy coordinator to be inserting their vision of, of the scene. I think it is their purview to help access the collaboration of that scene. So a lot of times when I'm choreographing, really it's a lot like how it was when I was doing fight work, was asking questions, you know, how, you know, wh- what does this look like to you? How does this, you know, how is your character going to be expressing that? You know, what is, why is this different than another kiss, etc. So it's a lot of questions. And then a lot of, you know, allowing actors, and this is just my own take on it, allowing actors to access the instinct of their characters, you know, in theater, it's a lot more, we want to have the choreography really super specific because we're doing this over and over and over again. We're setting this up for eight shows a week for a long run. We want everything to be absolutely specified. Um, And in film and television, often we don't need it to, we still need the anchors of the scene, but we don't need every single little touch choreographed unless the actors or director really want that. And then game on, I'm here for it. Let's do it. (laughs) But a lot of times, you know, and at the end of the day, we do have to match the shot. (laughs) They still have to do the why. They still have to, you know, get different sides. So there has to be some consistency there. So we set those anchors, or at least we set the boundaries of what is safe for everyone to be touching and doing. If nudity is something that you don't want to do, you certainly don't have to do it. I think that one of one of the things that I really stress for people is like a lot of the messaging that you've gotten from old TV and movies about the industry, from you know older casting directors, from acting teachers, from agents and managers that like in order to be successful, you have to do nudity and simulated sex. That's not true. And so you can simply say that you don't do that and that's fine. But if it is something that you want to do or if it's something that you'd like to be open to doing, it doesn't have to be this yes or no question. Do you do nudity? Yes or no. It can be I'm I'm open to doing nudity and I'm open to doing simulated sex, but not at the same time. I'm open to showing my butt, but only without showing butt crack. I'm open to implying topless nudity, but I don't want to show nipple. And we've got loads of options to imply topless nudity without showing any nipple. We can shoot from a closer from in closer, we can shoot from behind, we can shoot from a side angle where you kind of angle your body. Um, so there's 
always, always, always different, multiple ways to tell the same story. Um, so knowing those things for yourself ahead of time is going to be really helpful when you're either entering into a situation where there is no intimacy coordinator, or if you're entering into a conversation with an intimacy coordinator about your comfort. I think there's a lot of actors who want to be really easy to work with. And so th they might not share what actually their concerns are. And so it takes a subtlety to really be present, I think, as an intimacy coordinator or an intimacy director to be able to hold space for people to want to, to share the appropriate amount. You know, we're not there as therapists. I'm not doing my other job as a traditional medicine practitioner on set, but to create enough space that we can actually do our work where actors will want to open up to be able to say, yes, this feels comfortable or no, this doesn't. Because most of the times, because of the power dynamics on set or in theater, in rehearsal, there's a desire to just go into the people-pleasing mode, which, you know, our jobs are often at stake if we don't, <laughs> if we feel like we don't do what we're being asked to do. But I think the role of the intimacy coordinator is there so that we can advocate very subtly of how to do things differently. And that was something that was interesting for me too. It's not taking what actors share with us and then telling the rest of the crew or the, the director. It's subtly being like, okay, well, let's try choreographing the scene this way or blocking the scene this way um, or being there to hold the boundaries without the actors having to do that because they want to focus on their craft. I usually support actors in coming up with essentially a menu of like kinds of touch and then anything that's not on the menu is not on the table. We're not going there. And that I think sometimes people think that that's like limiting, but my experience has been the complete opposite. And the feedback that I've gotten from actors is the complete opposite that when you know what it is that you can do and what's sort of like in your toolkit, you can actually feel way freer to play around and try new things because your scene partner has told you, you can touch me here. You can touch me there. There's almost like two parts to this role. Well, there's a lot of parts, but these are the two, the, the, the ones that people are kind of like focused on is that the advocacy part and the choreography part. And I always say that if we are the only people that are being seen as advo advocating for actors in five years time, like we failed, like the whole of the industry needs to rise in terms of uh, advocacy. Everyone needs to get better from, you know, producers, directors, uh, everyone who's involved advocacy needs to rise uh, across the board. And then we can really do what our role is is designed to do, which is facilitate and, chore and choreograph this stuff. We shouldn't be seen as like the ones that come in and rescue stuff or uh, because, you know, the industry just needs to get to get better as a whole. And, we, and we're seeing that, which is really cool. You know, like the, this role needs to become almost less about advocacy and more about the choreography. Um, because we need this standard of the industry to, to rise with us. One of the pillars of intimacy coordination revolves around consent and making sure there is nothing that happens before, during, or after the scene that you did not agree to. One of the main things, and this ended up becoming the pillars that we developed at IDI that now we work with at IDC, which was, you know, what is the context of the scene? What, what, and what is the context, not just of the scene, the kiss that's happening, the sex that is happening, the whatever is happening, but what is the context for the actors as well? Is there a power dynamic involved? Is there something else going on with this? You know, we can't just treat every situation like the same situation. And consent was the next main pillar of just, you know, making sure that everyone has all of the information because you can't consent unless you are actually aware of the, it is informed. Um, so 
definitely context, consent, communication was a huge thing as well. When I think about my approach to teaching consent, it's very tied to my approach to intimacy coordination. When I teach consent, I I take a very non-binary or even anti-binary approach. I'm really trying to move away from the idea that you have two options, a yes or a no. Um, There's always more than two options. There's a whole range of experience between those two. And I, that's also how I think about gender, um, sexuality, and, you know, really anything like that's a, a lens that I bring to as much as I possibly can. That relates, I think, to what I've started to see as the consistent feedback and reactions that I'm getting on set and in rehearsal rooms and from people that I am just teaching consent to um, is that I I don't talk to people like they don't know themselves. I think that's something that comes up a lot in consent. And that's why we end up getting this like, no means no, or anything other than an enthusiastic yes is a no type of really rudimentary rhetoric, which doesn't account for things like, you know, I'm nervous, but I'd like to try that. Like that doesn't look enthusiastic, but that's something that if anyone were to prevent me from taking that opportunity, that wouldn't be great either. No means no. It suggests that it's as simple as that to be practicing consent. And it's really not because a lot of times people say yes, but they mean no. Um, Or they say no, but they mean like not today. You know, there's there's a lot more going on behind that. And so I think that these sort of like entry level bumper sticker consent quotes that we have are not really doing us much of a service. Um, And sometimes I think they're even harmful because I think a lot of enthusiasm ends up being just performed or faked because it's seen as a requirement. Otherwise, you can't do the thing that you're interested in. So I don't I don't talk to people like they don't know themselves. I treat them like self-aware adults and I help them find their boundaries and and find ways to tell the story that is being told, you know, in a way that's comfortable and safe. And I also don't assume bad intentions. Creating an individualized approach is really helpful because no two shows are the same. No two actors are the same. Um, This is a job where it is constantly adjusting and adapting to what's required on the production. Obviously, we have our like staples, the things that we will do each time. Um, But I will say it is something that's highly adaptive and highly specialized to that individual job because the needs are so different. You might be working with two very experienced actors on a low-level intimacy scene. So therefore, my approach is going to be fairly different to two actors who have never done any intimacy work before who were doing a very (laughs) intricate and complicated uh, nude uh, simulated sex scene in various positions. So the the needs of the production are constantly changing. And so making sure that you have all the tools that are necessary um, to fulfill that and also being highly adaptive to the environment. But obviously something that I'll go through with all actors is, you know, focusing on their boundaries, um, making sure that we're not choreographing something that conflicts with that, uh, making sure that we're choreographing to a body shape, body size, or all sorts of things, making sure that we are fulfilling that role so that actors are, are working with choreography that, that really suits them and their characters. 
So what exactly does working with an intimacy coordinator look like? Most professionals will develop their own unique approach to the job. But rest assured, the conversations around what to expect and how to empower yourself and feel safe as an actor, they start early in the process. Say we've got a a show and there's just a couple of scenes that are happening. Actually, let's go to the other side of the spectrum, that there's a a show with a lot of intense intimacy happening. Um, Usually I will come on and meet with the actors ahead of time, even sometimes in the casting process. I'll have meetings with the actors um, just to make sure that they're aware of exactly what's being asked of them, Um, but also all of their rights, what they are also going to get, that they're going to have an intimacy coordinator working with them the entire way, that they're going to have these meetings ahead of time, that you know, they get to have a say in somewhat of how this is going to go. So when I'm meeting with actors, um, the process involves like going over the scene, making sure everyone understands what's happening in the scene. And then we start to talk about what the actors, how they feel about it. And hopefully they'll share as much as they feel comfortable um, to give us a sense of what we can do. And then we go into more detail. Um, So I'll ask if there's, if, you know, depending on the level of, um, nudity or physical contact. We'll, we'll discuss what areas are okay to be shown on camera or not, okay to be on set or not. And then also what what areas are okay to be touched? Like does someone not, like their left shoulder is the trigger for the thing. So then we make sure that in the, the blocking that we, that that is clear that that's not to be touched. Or if there's physical, you know, if someone has knee injuries or physical, you know, mobility, um, I don't want to say issues, but differences than maybe what mainstream society is things is normal. It's, you know, there's so many variations in how we all move that we have a sense of really understanding that. I make sure that I know what the roadmap is for this production, how things are going to be set up, how that director likes to work. And then, you know, I address what the actions are that is being asked of that actor specifically, be it embracing each other, chest to chest, arms around each other. You know, if there's simulated sex, we, you know, are we doing pelvis to pelvis? Will there be a barrier there? How, you know, what exactly is being asked of that person so that they know exactly what positions their bodies are going to be or what options of positions their bodies are going to be in. There's nudity. We're talking specifically about what is okay to show, what is not okay to show. Um, And then, If it's their first time, it's their first scene like this. I'm like, listen, this is how it's going to go. It's just like any other day on set. You're going to go through the works. You're going to go through hair and makeup. You're going to go through this. We're going to check in with each other. So if anything has changed and anything, you know, feels different on this day, um, we're able to communicate it. And then of course there's choreography, choreography, which is telling the story and recognizing that it is a story we're telling. We're not actually asking people to bring their, their specific sexuality Um, We're not asking people to just do what they do at home. (laughs) This is choreographed so that it is safe and repeatable, just like we would anything violent. We make sure that we do a lot of skeleton blocking so that they've got an idea of like what the what the um, overarching goals of the the scene are. So they've got that Um, essentially we're like breaking it down as if we would break down like a duologue. Yeah, that's, that's probably the easiest way of doing it. You know, we're, we're talking through it like we're talking, uh, taking them through a stunt, essentially. These are the physical actions, what's driving these physical actions, how are we um, starting, how are we ending, who's instigating, who's withdrawing or pulling forward. We'll go through all of those aspects. And then also if there's anything the actors want to share, um, 
around like, hey, I do have a history of stuff of, of trauma and I'm worried it might come up. Then we can come up with a safety plan. I'm not there to be a therapist or do that other work that I do in the rest of my life on set, but I can support the actors in making sure they have a plan. So is their best friend going to be able to pick up a call? Do they have something like, you know, a, something they want to keep with them? like a stone, I don't know, like things that people need to do, the video game in their trailer, like whatever it is that they need to do to, to, to regulate their nervous system. So we can talk about those options so that if they if there is a history in someone's life that they're bringing to set, that they're not left hanging, that they are cared for. Um, and then the other thing is just finding what would make it fun, like what would make it more light and easy to move through whatever kind of scene it is. So we, it's kind of like a, a collaboration with the actors to figure out what feels best. Um, and then once we're on set, it's usual that you, not usual, you should have a rehearsal where you don't necessarily kiss, you don't necessarily do all the things you're going to do, but we will look at how we can stage things to make it look real, to make it look authentic. And it's kind of like figuring out the beats of a dance. And some actors don't like to work that way. So then we find, okay, well, what are the boundaries that you can work within? Like, figuring out what the areas of touch are with your scene partner and then knowing that, okay, I'm not allowed to touch the butt because <laughs> that's a no-go zone and I don't want to be touched on my neck. So we know these two or three things and then we can create from there so that there are their boundaries are there so that we can play within. Then uh, as we go to each block, there's a meeting with the director and the ADs to um, get, you know, the wish list. What is it you're looking for? What's your vision for the scene? Um, and then either the director goes and talks to the actors or I go and talk to the actors. I, I honestly leave it to the director to allow, you know, which they would like. Some directors are like, please go talk to them. <laughs> I don't, I don't have the language for it. Can, can you express some of this? And some, and which is absolutely fine. And some directors are like, no, I want to talk to them first and then follow up, you know, please follow up if there's anything that they didn't feel comfortable talking to me about. Because nothing on that director it's the power dynamic you know directors have an inherent power it's just the structure of what we're doing it's recognizing that and allowing them to have someone else to talk to to make sure that they have everything they need in order to do the scene so after that i talk to the actors we make sure you know if there's nudity or simulated sex that their nudity or simulated sex writer is um, has language in it that is comfortable with them that all goes off to legal and then i start interfacing with all the different departments, you know, the uh, costume department, uh, sometimes lighting, sometimes, you know, it all depends on what is needed for that scene. The other thing I like to do is obviously it's codified in legal language with our nudity writers so that they are well aware uh, ahead of the day exactly what aspects of the nudity that they are agreeing to, what aspects of the simulated sex they're agreeing to. And I always say to actors, when we're working with nudity writers, it's a ceiling, it's not a floor. So whatever you agree to, that's what we go up to on the day. We never go over it. You can go and delete it. So for example, if you've agreed to a certain level of nudity, you can pull back, but what you can't do is go over that. So you can't, you can't on the day show more than what you've agreed to. So it's always a ceiling. It's not a floor. And I'll also show them the closed set protocols. So they're aware of um, what's going to happen on the day in terms of who's going to be around at what point, um, what's happening with the monitors, what's happening with Q-Take, so that they are have been fully informed of, of what it will look like on the day and who will be there. Once you're on set, intimacy coordinators are there not only to assist with choreography and movement, 
but also to ensure every predetermined ground rule is being observed at all times. When we get there, we're going to go through a rehearsal. We're going to set exactly what the movement is. We're going to set, you know, we'll make sure it's a private rehearsal. No one else, no one else is there except the director, myself, and the actors, maybe the DP and the first AD. We'll talk through exactly what the positioning is. Sometimes we'll do even a rehearsal a few days ahead of time so we can set exactly what that is. And then when we, once we set that up, we don't even have to do kissing in the rehearsal unless you want to, unless you, you know, and then once that is all set, um, the crew will come in and we'll do a marking rehearsal, which can just be showing them the positions that you're going to be in. And then we're going to go back and get all ready while the crew sets up the shot. And then we're going to come back to shooting. And if there's, you know, if they want to know how many setups to expect or like what the time frame is or anything like that, we're, you know, we're open to having those conversations and giving as much answers ahead of time. Because again, it's the name of consent. You know, if, if it's not informed and it's not specific, people can't consent to it. If something comes up, then it's okay to let, to, for actors to know it's okay to ask the intimacy coordinator, like, can we pause for a second or I need a beat? Because like things happen, even unintentionally, you know, I would like to hope most of that, you know, is unintentional, but sometimes it can be intentional too. So we want to make sure that there's still space for actors to say, I need to stop. Um, also something for actors to know is once something is filmed, it's owned by the production. So to really be communicative as much as possible before, because once it's shot, it's not, it's owned by someone. The, the footage is owned by, by the company. As actors know, the emotions of a scene can carry over past the director calling cut, which is why Rodas emphasizes another pillar of intimacy coordination, closure. Closure is the tenant of it's one recognizing that we are at work, we are doing a job, and then we go home at night <laughs> or in the morning or whatever. Um, closure is that, you know, our actions have consequences. It's the concept. The actions have consequences. And that when we are doing something or embodying something, it can have uh, emotional consequences to ourselves. And so allowing ourselves to have a closure practice, allowing ourselves to have something that um, you know, gives a bit of a psychological quarantine to what it is we're doing on set or on stage um, is a really important tenet and really helpful and useful. And it doesn't have to be something uh, grandiose. <laughs> it can be something very simple, but just allowing us to keep that tenant at the forefront of our practice has been very helpful. Like anything that works to upend the status quo of the entertainment industry, intimacy coordination has, as expected, met its fair share of pushback. In the beginning, when we first started this work, there was, it, it was quite complicated because you could see some people on set were dying for this role. They were, they, they really wanted someone else to have to handle this stuff. And then there was also a large group of people who were like, absolutely not. This is ridiculous. We don't need this role. We've done it forever and we haven't needed someone. Um, this is an overstep. I've done this for 20 years and I've never had a problem. I think a lot of directors want to work with intimacy coordinators and a lot don't. <laughs> a lot of people, when the pushback comes in, it's because they feel like we're there to be, you know, the PC police or that we're trying to compromise a creative process. So the pushback comes from a fear, I think, of losing control. And because there's a hierarchy built into our industry, and our world, really. <laughs> That's what we live in. Um, I was going to name off all the systems that do that, but I'll, I'll leave it 
we'll be here all day. So given the system that we live in, the hierarchy is already there. And so I think the pushback can come in a way where it's a fear of losing control. Like if we just come back to the, the very human level of what might be happening inside a person where they're pushing back, it's a defense mechanism if we're thinking about the nervous system. So that's where I think a lot of the pushback comes from. And, you know, I think that there are also probably, like, I don't want to say that there's not people with malintent. <laughs> there's probably pushback because people want to keep doing what they were doing, which wasn't okay and was causing a lot of harm and sexual violence and sexual harassment comes in so many forms and it can be very subtle. So I think some of the pushback is also the reality is that too. But I want to keep the other part the <laughs> alive as well, that some directors are just afraid of losing control of their vision. But what all four of our guests emphasized is that intimacy coordination does not restrict creativity, spontaneity, or artistic expression for actors, creatives, or anyone on set. If anything, knowing the parameters gives you more chance to explore. Where I've seen acceptance is, you know, even those people who haven't worked with intimacy coordinators before are just... They're, they're open to the suggestions. They're open to collaborating. Um, it can feel, it doesn't mean that the intimacy coordinator always has to be present doing something, but that the director knows that they can rely on, on someone as well. And also I think that it comes from the producer level as well, you know, when, when we have the support of producers who are like, yes, we want you here, not just to, to be a band-aid in case something goes wrong, but to actually be a part of this, this team. This, the family that's making the, the work. I don't know if family is the right word, but sometimes it can be like that. You know, it's like this massive amount of people creating something. It's bizarre to me that sex scenes have often nothing set up in the script where the rest of the time we're telling them exactly what to say. You know, like that, um, the thing that came out last week that Sean Bean said, I thought, Come on, you have you, you have a script that you're sticking to. But when it comes to sex scenes, all of a sudden you want to be spontaneous. It doesn't make any sense to me. And and these, you know, these constraints foster creativity. Like I think about, you know, if if you sent acting students in an improv class to do like a full length scene on day one without the rules of improv, without yes and, without, you know, you need to establish the setting and who's who and blah, blah, blah. They would freeze. They would have no idea what to do. When you teach them the structure and the rules, it makes better work. I think about it similar to like, you know, a, a writing prompt. If you tell me, give me 3000 words on Monday about a topic of your choice. I'm like, that's not going to happen. I don't know. You know, like that's too vague. But if someone says like, can you tell me the way that you are? Can you tell me about how, uh, you know, 3000 words on how um, intimacy direction for theater is different from intimacy coordination for TV or film. Now I have some direction and I know where to go and I can begin to think about like, how do I want to tell that story? I say this all the time that it's like, we're, when we think about our, the creative energy, it can be even if we're doing all kinds of things. It, it, that kid part of us that needs some sort of container, that container allows us to play in a really big way. And so I find when people have a sense of, of what the boundaries are, they can go right up to them. <laughs> they can go to the, the edge of the boundary without it being a threat, you know? And um, it really allows for people to have, a, it's like, it's like, just knowing someone is there to be able to, to hold that space allows for a lot more freedom and creativity. When an actor says that 
something doesn't, you know, there is a boundary or a parameter that they want to work within. That gives us as the creative, like doing the blocking or the directors, it gives us the creative impulses to keep creating in a new way. There's so many ways to tell a story. That's what we're there to do. So if we know what feels comfortable or not comfortable for an actor, then we can actually use that as a part of the creative process. And I think part of the challenge and the pushback is people don't recognize that having parameters or boundaries can actually create more creative impulse. There is still more work to be done. Hollywood is obviously not going to change overnight, but the work of these intimacy coordinators and many more has already led to progress and an optimism for the future. At first, when I was doing this job, I was really being received as like an HR representative or an onset therapist or as like the PC police. And now that's almost never the case. Like every show that I've worked on this year, that has not been the case. I've been welcomed as a as a collaborator, as a, um, you know, a knowledgeable person with useful and valuable expertise and, you know, someone who has their own craft. And people are starting to, it seems to me that people are starting to really recognize how valuable we can be on a set and actually support the process. I think for a while there was this idea that we were going to elongate the process. It was going to take a lot of time. It was going to take a lot of energy. It was going to like neuter a scene or, you know, make it kind of stilted and inorganic. And I think what's happening is that people are starting to see that that's completely not the case. Like it's actually quite the opposite. Like when people feel safe and know each other's boundaries, generally we're nailing it in like the first two takes and doing an extra one for safety. I mean, you know, I've watched this process reduce the amount of time that a scene takes uh, most often. That's the case. And then I've also started to have people kind of, you know, turn to me and be like, can we use that? Like, was that okay? Or like, Mia, how do we fix this? And it's just, it's just a very different dynamic from how I was experiencing this role before COVID, where I think people were kind of resistant to engaging because I think they saw it as like more rules and restrictions being placed on them. From my first few times on set, there was always a curiosity and sometimes a skepticism, uh, more often a skepticism when I would come on. And, you know, usually I would say just like, let me work. Let me do the, let me, let me work. And I promise it's going to be better than where you're coming from. And time after time, like that was, you know, happily, that was the situation. People would experience it and then be like, ah, I didn't get it. I get it now. This is really helpful. Thank you. You know, the evolution that I've seen has been, you know, one, it's, it's exploded. We, we have so many people now. It's so very exciting. Um, I've gotten to see um, the, diversity of, of different approaches coming in, um, which mostly I'm really on board with. I think there's so much that we can get from, from all these people that are coming in with different voices and different backgrounds. You know, I'm, I'm also seeing, I see people have more trust and I see when I come on set to a new set that I don't know anyone. I'm like, Hey, I'm the intimacy coordinator. They're like, great. Okay. Let's talk about it. You know, I, I just see, I have seen 
such a turnaround on the acceptance of this, you know, and some people can still show up and be skeptical. Some people can still show up and have questions. Something that I do is just, I'm always, I'm always open for it and here for it. Like, do you have concerns? Do you have some questions even about my position being here and am open to having those conversations just like right out in so that we can, we can get past it and get to what we're there for, which is doing the work. Since we've spoken more about the um, introduction of, of power dynamics that are on set, um, a lot of the times the, the people that were like, oh, we don't need this role, hadn't heard the experiences that people had had where this where they'd felt like violated or things had gone wrong um, because they didn't feel like they could tell these people. So I think that there's been a huge U-turn or acceptance that actually power dynamics on set do exist. Uh, me as, uh, you know, if, if I'm in the, in the position of a director, I have a lot of power and therefore I might not hear these stories. Someone might not feel safe telling me because then I don't work with them on the next project. And so I think that there has been a, a very much a, a realization that that power dynamic exists. And so therefore that we've definitely seen like a, an acceptance of this role over time. I think the real turning point was sort of like um, 2020 when lots of shows that were coming out, which featured intimacy coordinators where the actors were like, this is the way forward. We don't want to go back. And then I think that with all that really positive press that that's come out around intimacy coordinators, I think that there's just been a real like solidifying of this role. And it's like, okay, this is where, this is where the industry needs to work from. And this is where this needs to sit. Every step that I went on for at least the first two years I was doing this work, someone would come up to me, be it a, a boom operator, an actor, someone would say, I'm so glad you're here. And then would just unload this trauma that they experienced, you know, years before or, or even weeks before. So, you know, we're, like I said, I'm, I'm just, I'm just so happy to be able to be of service in this industry and uh, to be able to be doing the work and, you know, also, also making good shit, <laughs> making good product, making good products as well. The art gets better, you know, the safer the sets. It's, it's, it's the same thing with any kind of choreography, dance, stunts, you know, when, when the set is safe everything the end result is better so yeah i it anything that is uh working to make sets set, uh, safer for actors is uh, backstage we'd like to shine a light on so yeah we, we appreciate what you do and i really i personally appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about it Thanks, as always, to our brilliant producer, Jamie Muffet, and to the whole team at Backstage, Samantha Sherlock, Mark Stinson, Caitlin Watkins, and of course, Casey Howe. Visit Backstage.com, and don't forget, you can subscribe to Backstage with code ENVELOPE at checkout for a free trial. 100% free, you simply cannot beat that. For more exclusive content, find us on Facebook and Twitter, at In The Envelope, and subscribe, share, and leave a comment. Who should we interview next? Let us know. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time for another peek in the envelope.